Welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And guys, well, a lot has happened within the last week. You know, the Lakers got bounced. The Utah Jazz did their thing. The Phoenix Suns did their thing. The Clippers did their thing. And everyone else did their thing. And we'll get into all of that and more. But as always, I'm Jerry Castillo, and I'm joined by... I'm Daniel Wen. I know it's not basketball related, but I just want to send my best wishes to Katie Thurston. You had a fun, you had a phenomenal night one on The Bachelorette. I I hope you have a you know a good show to come, a season to come, and joining me as well. Uh, so I just want to say, you know, cue the sad music. R.I.P. to the Lakers season, but also R.I.P. to my microphone because it doesn't want to work. I'm gonna start a GoFundMe page, guys. Okay, <laughs> but instead of you guys donating money. Donate that subscription to the Shooting Bricks podcast on all the social media platforms we have, as well as YouTube. You already know who it is. It's your boy, Rally Rail, Jarrell Sims. And absolutely, we need all the support we can get because you guys help us pursue our dream of continuing this podcast. So keep it up. Everyone that's done so, so far, we appreciate you greatly. I mean, words can't describe how much we appreciate you guys. But yeah, just, you know, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your your significant others, if you want to do that too, if they want to just support, not even listen to the to the podcast, but just support. It really helps us out. Any little bit helps. But speaking of helping, we've talked a lot of a lot of garbage about the Clippers because they can't seem to help themselves. Right, every single time that they do something, it's never gone well. But it turns out they did very well for themselves, winning Game Seven against the Dallas Mavericks, despite Luca's Herculean effort, right? And so, guys, again, peek behind the curtain. This is on a Wednesday last night, right? Tuesday, the Clippers faced the Jazz, and by all intents and purposes, it was a really fun game. I enjoyed it, even though, you know, I was on 2nd Street in Long Beach, and these people were really, really rowdy every time the Clippers did something, which was surprising because there were Clipper fans in Long Beach or in Belmont or whatever. So that was interesting. I was expecting Laker fans, but whatever. But yeah, the the Jazz pulled out a victory behind, Don, behind Donovan Mitchell's 45 points. Now, in the second half, that's kind of where things really started to take, you know, switch in Utah's favor because they outscored the Jazz 65-49. This was set, this was Donovan Mitchell's third 45-point game. He scored 32 points in the second half alone. He only trails Michael Jordan and Wilt Chamberlain for most 45-point games, and, and MJ and Wilt have six. So, thoughts on the series so far? I know it's only been one game, and Mike Conley missed the, the first game, but thoughts? Well, I have many thoughts on this series so far. So, first of all, I just want to get it out there. I actually never really – I've only met one Clipper fan in my life, so just, just getting it out there. Uh, two, personally, I'm just not confident about the Clippers going into the series. Yes, they're, both teams are about about even on paper, but at the end of the day, the, what happened in the Dallas series did not does not inspire me any confidence at all in this, this Clipper team. The fact is the Dallas Mavericks were a significantly weaker team on paper compared to the LA Clippers. And plus, Dallas did not play any defense. Yet, Luka Doncic, by some miracle, got them to a Game 7. And at times, you know, could have could have easily eliminated the Clippers at home. But, you know, the Mavs choked on their own. So, look, Paul, about last night's performance, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Pandemic P., Guys, twenty-three points and twenty points isn't gonna be isn't gonna like isn't gonna isn't gonna cut like cut it here, okay? Like, 
Luka Doncic and his one-man army are like one thing, but Donovan Mitchell and this more complete Jazz team are another. This series is going to be less forgiving for this Clipper team. Um, Luka, I mean, not Luka, Kawhi and Paul George have, have to be on their best behavior. They got to pull out 40-point games, 30-point games, not 20-point games, not 23-point games. And the thing is, this Jazz team beat this Clipper team without Mike Conley. Imagine with him at full strength. This Jazz team is going to knock this Clipper team out in seven. I'm predicting it right now. It's going to be a 10 series, but Jazz win in seven. Jazz win in seven. All right. Hey, man, Austria. Daniel, Daniel I, I don't want you to, like, you know, put the jujus on, on, the, on the bad jujus on the series because last time you said this and the Clippers end up winning. So I'm like, ah. Um, I do know two Clipper fans. I'm going to give them a shout out. So y'all tune into the podcast. Uh, seeing. Uh, He's a Clippers fan. And Mr. Clark, you're a Clippers fan. So I'm going to be tagging y'all um, and hoping that y'all listen to the podcast. But y'all y'all organization is trash anyway. So <laughs> anyways, wow. uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the stardom of Donovan Mitchell. Because this, the spider, that is what we came to see. We, we, we look back at the bubble last year with Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray going back to back back and forth, you know, head to head. And we were like, both of these two stars, young players, are going to make – a big jump the next season, and only one of those players did that. And I'm not including uh, Jamal Murray's injury, but Donovan Mitchell's made a jump. He did get injured as well, but he is undoubtedly the best player on this team. He's growing into a leader. He's he's taking that – Um, we have Dwayne Wade being the mentor of mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell now because the similarities in play style, and we're just going to appreciate greatness. And I feel like just like the Clippers couldn't handle Luka, they're not going to be able to handle Donovan Mitchell. The difference here – to Daniel's point is Donovan Mitchell has a complete team. He yep. has a staple at the at the five in Rudy Gobert. He has a six man in Jordan Clarkson. He has a score in Bogdanovich. He has a complete squad. He has Joe Ingles. He has players that can step up. And the Clippers couldn't beat the Mavericks with their second best player being Dorian Finney-Smith or Tim Hardaway Jr. Because mm-hmm. uh, the new play, the the new playoff P is uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis. Didn't show up. So, I don't know. Game seven is a lot. It's honestly not uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It's a supporting cast. Because when the Clippers won, we had Marcus Morris scoring 20 points. You know what I'm saying? We had other players. Uh, um, Luke Kennard. Um, Luke Kennard, this, well, this past game, because he didn't play last series, did he? Yeah, he played. He, he played late in the He played late in the, uh, in the Dallas series. So, they're going to need their supporting class to step up. I We obviously know... Uh, Paul George's track record, he's not going to be whatever we think he's going to be. Uh, he's going to have those ups and down games. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is always going to be consistent in what he does. I mean, last series, he didn't miss a shot in the fourth quarter, you know? So mm-hmm. I think it's that supporting cast. And, 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 and unfortunately, their supporting cast does not match up with the Jazz supporting cast. So I'm going to say Jazz and six. Jazz and six. You know what? I will agree with you because as much as I like to rag on Utah for – whatever reason, because, you know, it's Utah. Like, shout out Vernon Maxwell. But the Jazz are an incomplete... Well, they're not an incomplete team. They are a complete team. Like, I was having this discussion with a buddy of mine a few days ago. We were talking about which teams left in the playoffs have this kind of full squad, and the Jazz was a consensus, you know, pick. Because even if you put in... You know, you can put in Joe Ingles, right? You can slide Bogdanovich to the, as a really big two. You can put Joe Ingles into three. You still have Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench to provide that spark. Plus, they just have that 
that wherewithal, that experience, right? Because they've been to the playoffs. They haven't gone far, but they've been there. They know what to expect. Plus, Quinn Snyder's from the San Antonio coaching tree, so he knows what to expect. So all of these factors, it just makes it difficult for the Clippers. And, you know, shout out to Ty Lue for being 4-0 in, game, in all of his game sevens. But this is not going This is not going seven. This is going six, probably. Hmm. Interesting. And, yeah. I mean, you said that the Clippers were going to get swept annual, and look what happened. Look, um, I think – look, I don't – I'm going to say it right now. I still don't owe – we should – like, no NBA fan that's not a Clipper fan should owe this franchise any apology – like Jarrell said before, this organization is straight up trash. And as as long as they don't, you know, as long as they're still ringless, there's no championship banner. Like this Clipper team does not deserve any acknowledgement whatsoever. Can they get past the second round? The yes. <laughs> like, okay, so I don't follow the Clippers at all. I couldn't care less what they do. Have they ever reached the conference finals? No, right? Never. I don't think so. Never. They're cursed. Okay, They're yeah. cursed. And, and Clippers fans out there, y'all want to come defend y'all team? We, we're more than happy to have y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be tough, man, because they're going to be going up against three people who are you know, fans of division rivals. So, True. It's going to be tough, but if you're up for the challenge, hop on. We'll, we'll accept that challenge. But uh, yeah, we're, talking about, we're talking about the you know, Los Angeles teams. Well, let's talk about the team that bounced the other Los Angeles team. The Phoenix Suns, because for me personally, right, when I was when I was looking into the series, the main things that came out to me was Nikola Jokic's defense versus DeAndre Ayton's offense and how CP3 and Devin Booker are going to basically take advantage of this wounded Nugget squad because by all intents and purposes, they are wounded. They're, no matter, you know, I, I think uh, Will Barton's coming back um, in a few games. They're still not 100% without without Jamal Murray, Murray. because this is, again, even though they have Nikola Jokic and he won the MVP, shout out to him. I mean, he's the the lowest drafted player at number 41 in NBA history to win the award. And he's the first center since Shaq to win it in 2000. Unless, you know, you want to count Tim Duncan as a center, even though he, he's played like, I dude, I read somewhere that he played ten seasons as a center or something like that. He played most of his seasons as a center, then a power forward. Take, you know, that's a that's a thing you know now. But yeah, I mean, Nikola Jokic is the MVP. He received ninety one out of the one hundred and one available first place votes, and he averaged twenty six, ten, and eight point three assists as a big man and played all seventy two games. He is a monster in and of itself. He can carry this team. The issue is who can help him out? Because as we saw, the Suns just basically toyed with the Nuggets. In the first in the first half it was kind of close, but then, you know, the the Phoenix Suns outscored Denver by 18 in the second half, 65 to 47, winning the game, winning game 1, 122-105. Phoenix had four players score and tw- score 20 plus with CP3 putting up 21 and 11 assists. Can you guys see anyone potentially helping out Nikola Jokic here? Because I personally can't. Austin Rivers, maybe. MPJ. But then again, MPJ is kind of miss, you know, miss or hit. So, <laughs> thoughts? A lot. Thoughts? <laughs> I, I'm i going to say it right now. I think Phoenix Suns is 
I think the Phoenix Suns are going to the NBA Finals. I think they're gonna. I think the Suns seems gonna win the series in six. That's that's kind of a hard thing to say to Denver Nuggets fans. But listen to me. If Jamal Murray was here, y'all are winning the series in six. You're all the better team. But the thing is, he isn't. The fact is, I think Phoenix on offensive firepower alone. I'm gonna. You know, I think Denver is honestly maybe MPJ counts, but they're basically a two to one man army right now. Nikola Jokic is basically carrying his team. He's carrying his team well, but sooner or later, that's going to break. We saw just with Luka in the last round. Uh, this Phoenix Suns team offensively is f-ing loaded. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker have been nothing but seller this offseason. And Chris Paul, Chris Paul from that shoulder injury from the last round, he's only getting healthier. And I think Chris Paul gives the, this experience, this young squad around him needs. And that's why I think he's the X factor. And that's why going going into the next round if they go to the next round against utah i think phoenix with chris paul is better than donovan mitchell in utah yeah utah is talented but i'm going to give the edge to phoenix that's how i see phoenix going to the nba finals but i'm going on a tangent here i think phoenix is has a huge upper hand in this one suns and six congrats to nikola Jokic. uh not every day you see a second rounder get the mvp but those are those are my thoughts I don't think it ever was a day that a second rounder got MVP. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Willis he's Reed. The he's the lowest, Man. but I think Willis Reed at 1.1. But go ahead, Drew. All right. So first, I want to talk about the CP3, Devin Booker, going to cook this series. And I agree they're going to cook. But we also have to factor in that the Nuggets just played against Damian Lillard, who's arguably a top three point guard in this league, and CJ McCollum. Each both average over 20 points a game. And you see what happened there. So that I that's that's not what's drawing me towards the Suns winning this series. I do agree with that. And that's not what's drawing me towards them going to the finals, the whole CP3 and Devin Booker. Devin Booker is having an outstanding stretches where he's going off and is this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to elevate your game when it comes to playoff time. But that's not the sole reason why the Suns look dangerous. Of course, we have concerns. They're bench. But why they look dangerous is because they have a mentality as if they they can win. They have toughness. They have players that are doing extraordinary stuff that aren't the stars. Cameron Payne, Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson, Torrey Craig. He's playing against a former team, so he's just just motivated. But they have players that are, who are these guys? That's what's making them look dangerous. Not CP3. He's having a good game, yes. Devin Booker's look dangerous in stretches. But it's those other players that you aren't expecting to do much that's coming alive. Now, I don't think that the 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 Suns are going to just blow. If they're on top of it like they were with the Lakers, yeah, they're going to blow by by the uh, Nuggets. But you got the MVP over there. You have the Joker over there. And although he's a one man army, he's the best mm-hmm. player in the game right now. He's mm-hmm. the most valuable player in the game right now. And we saw and we we seen this against the Trailblazers. You had Damian Lillard going off for fifty points, hitting threes left and right. And they still lost with what against who against the against the Joker and who else? Exactly. That's what we're taking. We're, we're, Damian Lillard had amazing games that past series, but who came out on top? The Joker mm-hmm. in his squad. So with that being said, I think this is going to be an intense series. I feel like it could go to game seven. I feel like I'm going to give I'm going to give the nudge to the Suns because of that grit. You go. The Nuggets have a whole bunch of light skins on their team. And just like Jordan Clarkson said with Kobe, you know, you can't attack the basket like a light skin. <laughs> the Suns got a whole bunch of roughnecks. And I don't mean that in a sense of, of complexion. I mean that in the dog that they got inside themselves. 
everybody from from the the point guard position to I mean from the number one all the way down to the bench Javon Carter you know they all have that mentality like this is our chance to win the Lakers are bounced out we beat the best arguably was supposed to be the best team healthy in the league in the first round ain't nobody stopping us now and I think that mentality is what's going to get the Suns to the conference finals finals I don't know I can't say that because the Jazz do have a better better squad if we go bench to bench the Jazz is the Jazz is beating them because the Jazz starting lineup against the Suns starting lineup is equally matched in my opinion. Mike Conley is very underrated. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, arguably, 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 maybe better than Devin Booker. Arguably, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't mm. know. I don't know. I don't know. He's been in the playoffs a little bit more than him. You know what I'm saying? He's had some big moments. We talk about the, the 45 point games. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so just thinking about that starting lineup. It's, I think it's equally matched. So it's going to come to the benches, and the Jazz have a better bench. But let's let's enjoy this second round, though, because I say Suns, Nuggets, Game 7, Thriller, uh, with the Suns coming out on top. Ooh, nice. I have the Nuggets in 7, just so there's a little bit of a little bit of a difference there. And, you know, Jokic, he is a world beater. He can carry this team by himself. I don't think – we've never seen a center play like this ever, right? He can He can dominate – in the post he can stretch you out and you just need the others right the others can provide that help you know aaron gordon we we tend to forget about him because he's been doing a stellar job defending players except for that one time damian lillard dropped 50 on him but that's fine that's that's beyond the point they won the series but i think that nikola Jokic, nikola Jokic, however you want to pronounce his name the joker and michael malone mike malone they have a pretty solid game plan, and I think that game one is just an aberration. They will take the series in seven. This is going to be a close series, and then if they make it to... And once they beat the Suns, they're going to lose to the Jazz. And if the Suns go to the conference finals instead of the Nuggets, going back to your point, G, I feel like it's a really... They kind of even themselves out because it's like Aiden gets canceled out by Gobert, right? Conley gets canceled out by CB3. Donovan Mitchell gets canceled out by Booker. And then the three fours is just like whatever, right? Who You can slot anyone in there. They, and they, they, kinda... they cancel each other out as well. Yeah. You got Eagles and Bridges. You got uh, Crowder and Royce O'Neal. <laughs> they pretty much do the same thing. Right. Except for Bogdanovich. Who covers yes. him? And Jordan Clarkson. That's and what I'm saying. Jordan that Clark- bench. Yeah. That bench. Yeah. And if you want some extra toughness, slide in Joe Ingles in there. You got a pretty formidable defensive lineup. So exactly. with the exception of Donovan Mitchell, but he tries. I mean, that's just a thing. But speaking of things really quickly before we head to the East, what do you guys think about all this hate going towards Nikola Jokic winning the MVP? Because I've been seeing a lot of comments on Twitter by casuals saying that, oh, he's the worst MVP to win it and all this other garbage nonsense. Like, just what? Yeah, they were expecting ridiculous. Like, yeah, they were expecting Embiid to win or, like, another player to win oh, no. except for Jokic. And it's like, dude, you casuals. Like, have you not seen how this dude plays? Have you not seen how well the Nuggets play? The fact that he's... Okay, just for just for the sake of it, right? I, I mentioned this earlier. The fact that he played all 72 games, that in and of itself is, is an accomplishment because he was one of 11 players to do that. He and dealt he with almost, injuries. Yeah, and he almost averaged a triple-double doing it as a center. I don't think that's and it's ever- not empty stats, and it's not empty stats. Not he either. kept the Nuggets afloat at third seed. You know what I'm saying in the Western Conference without a sidekick. Yeah, well, he did for a little bit, but he was flaky 
as all hell, right? Because we've talked yeah. about Jamal Murray so many times on this podcast about how he was supposed to take that next step, but it appears that his next step isn't a huge one. It's just kind of like a, a slight step up, which isn't bad. He's averaging, what, like 23, 5, and 5? If that's the player he is, that's not bad at all. But to consider Jokic not being deserving of it after everything he's done, that's just, that's just asinine. It's, it's dumb. It's not a thing you would say to anyone who watches the game. I, I argue that this is probably one of the better MVP runs in recent memory because, mm-hmm. because, because of the lockout-shortened season, the injuries that occurred with him. Jamal Murray suffering an, a season-ending injury, that's huge. That's supposedly your sidekick. And don't forget, people don't remember, but the Denver Nuggets were in bad shape at the beginning of the year. They were literally, I believe they were in 10th place in the West. They were in play-in territory. And, and Jokic literally carried this team up to, to the upper echelons of the Western Conference, the much harder conference in all of basketball. The East, yeah. let's, let's, let's be real. They're, the East is complete, utter garbage except for the, for the top-tier teams. The West is like, it, it's hell. So the fact that he did that in a difficult conference – that's that goes that to me, in my opinion, that is definitely one of the more more difficult, better MVP runs in recent memory. Yeah, and to go on your point, D, really quickly, like the fact that in the West this year, twelve teams could have made the playoffs, like legitimately could have made the playoffs, and at one point, we even for me personally, I know that I called the Nuggets my dis- most disappointing team of the of the West so far, like two weeks in because they were like. They were in 10th place. They were wallowing around because, you know, Jokic wasn't in proper shape. But look at him now. Third seed, putting up buckets. And it just seems like no one can stop him, whoever's going up in front of him. But go ahead, Jay. Um, nah, you, you you hit the nail on the coffin. Uh, Keyword, casuals. I mean, they always going to have something weird to say and not appreciate the game of basketball. Undoubtedly, the Joker is the MVP. Uh, consistency, availability. Um, it's not empty stats. It's been leading to success. You can see it if you just watch the previous playoff uh, series, how effective this 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 guy is. He's on another level. You know what I'm saying? He took took down uh, Dame time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, And he's a center. That's the other thing. He's a center. When's the last time? 2000. Shaquille O'Neal was the last time, 21 years ago, last time we had a center. Unless you count Tim Duncan, that has uh, won an MVP. So this is, you know, we got to appreciate greatness. And I think a part of it as well is the whole international feel, which we shouldn't be thinking about. It's the the game is globalized. It's it's, everybody's involved in here. So I don't I don't get it because Joel Embiid is an international player as well. So why y'all tripping, bro? Chill out. Joker is the MVP, and he's the one that's getting the last laugh because he has the hardware. <laughs> yes, sir. I like what you did there. Nice play on words. The Joker gets the last laugh. Yes, sir. All right. But, you know, we talked about Embiid and Daniel brought up the East and how it's kind of trash. Well, the 76ers Hawks series is anything but because it's, in my opinion, it's, I think, what the Hawks Knicks series is supposed to be. We're getting explosive performances. We're getting close contests except for game two, but, and game one. But, yeah, I mean, in game one, Embiid dropped a, pl- a playoff career high 39 points in a game one loss to the Hawks. Meanwhile, Trey Young had 35 and 10 assists. In game two, Philly tied it up with a 118-102 win, and Embiid dropped, he dropped 40 points and 13 rebounds. And I think I, I got the, I'm probably going to get the stat wrong, but Embiid's, what 79 points is like the most and i think since lebron james back in like 2015 in the finals 
for the most points in the first two games of a playoff series. So Embiid's in rare company, but thoughts on this series? Ultimately, I have the Hawks winning in about, let's say seven. Hawks in seven. Trey Young's going to go off. He's going to do well. But yeah, any thoughts on this? I think this series practically hinges on the health and well-being of Joel Embiid. But with mm-hmm. that being said, he seems to have gotten to back in full health for now. So uh, I think Philadelphia is a much more experienced team than and then this Atlanta Hawks team. Obviously, Trey Young. Uh, I believe this is could be his first or second playoff appearance ever for a lot of these guys on this on this Atlanta squad. This is this will be their first playoff experience. That's huge when you get to uh, to a place like the second round. That's when experience really starts to kick in. Uh, Joel Embiid's performance is going to literally carry this team to the next round. I think, I think Philly, as of this moment, not not only are they much experienced, I just think they're better as of right now. And they and you got to account for the size advantage Philly seems to have over over Atlanta at this moment. So I'm going to take the Sixers in six. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the Sixers are in a much more uh, or more involved in a much more intriguing series this time around, luckily, uh, because the last round was just like, that was just boring. So yeah. uh, this this is going to be a fun series. Uh, we're going to really see Trey Young um, get, you know, get national attention here, uh, which is only a good thing because I adore Trey Young. So this is going to be a fun series, but Sixers is going to win this one. Fair. Yeah, just sounding really repetitive here, but it, it all depends on Joel Embiid's health. The Sixers go as far as Joel Embiid is available. So with a healthy Joel Embiid, there's no doubt that the 76ers are going to steamroll this Hawks team. Unfortunately, unfortunately. Um, yeah, because, you know, I, I think so. I think so. No one can handle Joel Embiid. I know Clint Capella is putting up a fight, but uh, I think it'll be a good series. Uh, I already mentioned on previous episodes that Trey, Trey Young is the, the villain. He's the bad guy, and I think he needs to embrace that everywhere he goes because he brings a different level, not only to himself, but his team and against the fans. So um, I don't think I'm not going to say the series is going to seven games. I'm going to if, if Joel Embiid is healthy, you know, he's probably upset process giving a dx uh chop uh to everybody i think he's going to give the dx chop to the hawks in in about five games in about five games well i mean yeah. the, the, go ahead go ahead sorry nah i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be different i'm not gonna sit here and agree with daniel with the six games so i'm gonna say five five seventy sixes. i feel like six games like the safe bet right like if it goes six you're good. If it goes seven, you're fantastic. If it goes under six, you're just like, all right, yeah, well, I said six. It could, you know. So six is the safe bet. I'm saying seven Hawks, but it's going to be a lot tougher for the Hawks because DeAndre Hunter, Hunter's out. He's out for the entire series. So we'll see what happens. And, I mean, and when you got when you got Seth Curry out there balling, you know what I'm saying? You know what? That's a great segue because Daryl Morey and the 76ers actually got fined. I think it was like $75,000 for tweeting at Steph Curry and the fact that he should join the 76ers after Seth Curry's amazing game. The t- These two words, join them, cost the 76ers and Daryl Morey $100,000, more than $100,000. Can you believe that? Like They should have learned from magic. That's that- Nichols. That's nickels and pennies to them, honestly. Meanwhile, the rest of us, the rest of us, I mean, are slaving away. They could, they could drop that to the Shooting Bricks podcast. We would be more <laughs> than grateful for it. Absolutely, dude. That's one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, or one hundred fifty thousand dollars, whatever the case may be. Anything over one hundred thousand dollars, we'll gladly accept. Actually, no. Uh, we we would gladly accept <laughs> anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, in comparison to this, right? Because they're like, they're two words cost them that much. Imagine if two words cost us that much. Jesus, man. I, I don't think we would have a podcast. No, we wouldn't have a life, dude. Good grief. That's why we're trying to stay kind of calm whenever we try and mention the New York Knicks and James Dolan, because that dude is litigation happy. And I'm not, that's not speculation. That is actual fact. Just ask all the fans that have been kicked out and got sued. But anyways, speaking of <laughs> kicking out the last series here, and I don't think there's much to talk about, the Bucks and Nets. And I feel like the Bucks are going to get kicked out pretty soon. In game one, it was, a, it was kind of weird because the Nets beat the Bucks 115-107 without James Harden, who left with a, with a hamstring injury. He didn't play game two, and they destroyed the Bucks 125-86. James Harden's not playing in game three either. <laughs> Gee, your eyes are just that. Was, that was a look, man. What happened? It's because they don't even need a full squad to beat this Bucks team, and the Bucks <laughs> went out to go get Drew Holiday for what? <laughs> PJ Tucker oh. too. PJ Tucker's I mean, on that squad. I mean, they, you see they those memes on Twitter? We got PJ Tucker to stop LeBron. <laughs> we got PJ Tucker to stop KD. Please stop. They not stopping. No. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that. He's like, hey, we got PJ Tucker, and then. PJ Tucker's supposed to defend Kevin Durant, and then PJ Tucker's in front of Kevin Durant. Tucker's just like, please stop. KD's like, no. And then that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all the. Think about it this way, right? In the playoffs, KD is averaging 32 points and seven rebounds on 55% from the field and 50 from three. Overall, he's in the 50 50 90 club per stat muse in this. In the playoffs as a whole, I, I can only imagine how much more damage he's doing against the Bucks. But, yeah. Thoughts on this series? Because I don't have a lot. And it basically is the Bucks are done. There's no way they can beat this, this Nets team, even if they take one game. If James Harden comes back for game four, it's done. There's no way the Bucks can win this series. Uh. To Milwaukee fans out there, uh, my dearest condolences and apologies. I, I have to agree with Jared here. There's no other choice, but this series is practically over. Uh, this series has practically reinforced me that the perimeter play, the what the guys you have on the perimeter are are probably the most in positions important positions today in basketball. There's no way around it. You've got to have shooters on this squad. We're learning from the Lakers, and we're especially learning from this Bucks team. This Bucks team has just has all the defense and grit in the world. They're big. They're long. They don't have any guards. They got no firepower. They were below 30% from, th- from downtown in both games one and two. That that cannot be that that can't be acceptable against this Brooklyn team. No James Harden. The, the James Harden injury should have been devastating. But the thing is, this Brooklyn team is so good on top of the of its roster that yeah, the supporting cast even has stepped up so far. Blake Griffin, uh has done really well it practically doesn't really matter because that's how talented these top guys on this brooklyn team are they're just that lethal uh i said it i said before this i thought this series was gonna go to seven games but boy i was wrong uh i also said i still believe however that whoever wins this series is gonna uh, go to the is gonna represent the east in the nba finals i have to take it even further now uh, with the once the Nets knock out this uh, Bucks team in five games, yes, you heard it. You heard, you heard it first Ooh. in five games. Uh, it's imperative now. It's it's straightforward, straight to the point. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be your 2021 NBA champions. This squad is too strong. They shoot too damn good, and their stars are too lethal. 
that was wow. an amazing take. Like we gotta, we gotta <laughs> frame that one somehow. But uh, somebody call up the custodian, the janitors, because we're gonna need some brooms in Milwaukee. Because this is a sweep. All of the stuff that you just mentioned, Daniel, the Bucks aren't getting a game. They're not getting a game in here. KD is not gonna allow it. I, the Slim Reaper is out here. Mm, uh, Giannis. The, Giannis mm, may take one. Giannis, I'm a Giannis fan, bro. I'm a Giannis fan, but. All the stuff that you just mentioned as far as not having shooters, Giannis obviously cannot guard KD. They don't have to do much with with Giannis because all you got to do is pack in the paint. He doesn't have a go-to guy. You asked for Chris Middleton to step up, he took a step back. He's not that guy. Drew Holiday is not that guy. And unfortunately, they're not enough to handle this Brooklyn Nets team. So you're saying they're going to get a gentleman's sweep with game five like it's just – absurd that they can't get swept the demise of the milwaukee bucks happened as soon as they gave up all of those picks for drew holiday and and fumbled the bag with uh bondanovich the bondanovich that's in atlanta because they names are too similar i'm not going to sit here and say their first name it's but anyway bugged on exactly but anyways <laughs> they're getting swept the demise of the milwaukee bucks is happening drew holiday is going to dip and now your loyalty i'm sorry Giannis, but i don't know you and dane need to team up or you and luca need to team up because you're not winning in the, in, in milwaukee the team doesn't it's we see in these two games here where blake griffin is dunking on Giannis. you talking about Giannis not going to allow that to happen and blake griffin will put on a, a whole facade in in the detroit pistons not being able to dunk for two years now he comes out here and he's dunking on people joe harris can put up buckets left and right man i'm sorry the bucks they, they don't got it nobody's gonna step up it looks like a similar similar situation to the lakers in my opinion where you're not having people outside of your your big three stepping up and i don't think that they're going to be able to do it they're scared they can't handle kd kd is the ultimate weapon they're beating them without James Harden. And you telling me that they're going to get to a game five? Hell no. James Harden come back, it's definitely over. Last game, they got blown out by almost how many points is that? 39 points? Yeah. Fuck out of here. They about to get swept. <laughs> you know what? I would agree, except the honest factor. He he won't go down quietly into the night. Shout out uh, Independence Day. But he's going to make great it film. a series. A very great film. Shout out to... Uh, Will Smith, too. Welcome to Earth. Mm-hmm. But the Bucks, they're coming crashing down to Earth. There's no way they can stop KD. I mean, he's averaging 50, 50, and 90, dude. Also, G, quick point. Um, Drew Holiday signed a, a contract extension with the Bucks. So he's staying uh, for a while. Well, this this is going to be their future then. Yes. <laughs> Four-year, $134 million. $134.9 million, excuse me. But, yeah, I mean, there's nothing the Bucks can do, uh, as much as it sucks to say. But you have to also take into account, if the Bucks are getting destroyed this badly by two-thirds of the Brooklyn Big Three, you got to wonder, how bad was Miami? Like, just comparing, yeah, comparing the two, right? Because this is, we thought, was a formidable squad in the Bucks in the first round because they destroyed Miami in four games. And then this, you know, against the Nets, they're getting destroyed. So how bad were the the Heat that they couldn't even put up a fight in one game? Or how good are the Nets? Same point, yeah. Again, with all, I think James Harden only played like five minutes of game one, too. <laughs> like, and y'all simply saying they're about to go to game five. Come on, bro. I don't have that much trust in Giannis uh, in the playoffs. They're going to... Okay. They're the only... The only reason I say game five is because probably Steve Nash is going to say, like, you know what? We know we're good. We know we're good. 
we're going to take a game off so that we can rest you guys and have the other guys play. So they're going to they do that within the game, though. Look, if I blow y'all out by halftime, like, why Why would you do that? Why would you play with that? He, Steve Nash doesn't have – he don't have the juice. He don't have the sauce like that, bro. He's he's a brand-new coach. I'm not playing with my food. Giannis said it. Why are you going to play with your food, bro? They need to take them out and get to the finals as quickly as possible because when you have a track record like KD who got injured two years ago or uh, James Harden with his back curtain because that belly of his keep eating on them ribs and steak and going <laughs> to the strip club and Kyrie Irving with his uh, sage in the, in the building, you don't have time to play with your food. Well, okay, so you're a Giannis fan, a big Giannis fan. You don't believe you don't believe he can take one game as a two-time MVP. You don't think he can do that? Nope. He's that not good. This, not against his next team. And you're putting a lot of pressure on this on this guy and he hasn't he hasn't he's he hasn't been able to deliver as that guy in the playoffs. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, he hasn't been able to do that. He needs the support, and he doesn't have that support within Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton is not a superstar on the level of the Brooklyn Nets. If, 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 if Giannis had a superstar talent, a Damian Lillard, a Luka Doncic, hell yes, because it's not all on him. Right. You can't. I can't run my team in the playoffs through Giannis, unfortunately. I can run it through Jokic. I can't run it through Giannis, unfortunately. He's not that player, and there's nothing wrong with that. But – the situation that we're giving, I can't put that much on him. I'm sorry, you're not Superman, Giannis. I know that Shaq gave you the nickname. You're the Greek freak. And in this situation, I, I don't don't get me wrong. He's going to play. He's going to play hard. He's not going to give up. But to sit here and say that he's going to be able to alone go up against a two-headed, three-headed monster in Brooklyn Nets, I, I, unless somebody else step up, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the David Robinson Spurs years before they got Tim Duncan because they were perennially good, right? David Robinson won MVPs. He won scoring titles, put up 71 points, but they could never get past that hump. And I feel like they need a Tim Duncan-like player to, well, you've said it already. You've mentioned it a lot. They need a Tim Duncan-like player to help be honest because this is like David Robinson. They need a guard. He's not saying a exact Tim Duncan. He's saying you need that one-two punch. You need yeah. that superstar yep. caliber player. And I yeah. agree. Because, you know, Chris Middleton's like, what, a Sean Elliott maybe? Or like Drew Holiday's like an Avery Johnson or like a Vinny Del Negro or something like that. This is pulling way, way back, right? Like, this is, it's an incomplete squad. And... I think we've all been fooled by the fact that Giannis is an incredible talent. David Robinson was an incredible talent, and they were fooled in the 90s too. We're just seeing it now. It's like history repeats itself. So who that Tim Duncan to you know David Robinson is, I don't know. Maybe they all get they, hurt. They ain't got no picks. <laughs> okay, never mind. Don't do that because, because that's a bad idea. Don't do that. But – just really quickly before we move on to the quick hitters, who who do you guys think would actually be Giannis's Tim Duncan? Where he could like freely say, you know what, even though I'm 26, 27, and I've won you know multiple MVPs, I am just going to take a step back so that this other person can help lead us to the promised land. Now, I wouldn't say that. Like, like I see what you're saying. D- yeah. David Robinson was on the tail, like not the tail end of his career, but he was getting up there, not the same age range. I'm looking at like Giannis 29, as a situation like Shaq and Kobe. Mm-hmm. Giannis needs a Kobe. 
Giannis is a big and the Tim Duncan in the era of the Twin Towers when you can have a center and a in a in a power forward the same height you know that's kind of out like they played similar Tim Duncan and David Robinson played in, right. uh, similar in this day and age Giannis needs that guard like Daniel said he needs a scoring guard he needs a Damian Lillard a CJ McCollum I wouldn't even say CJ McCollum in this right now but Damian Lillard Luka Doncic so a Bradley Bill but how do you get them on that squad because Drew Holiday ain't it yeah and again I, like you said there's no picks. I agree with what with, with, with Jarrell is saying. Basically, I think two guys stand out for sure who could be available on the trade market pretty soon. I think Milwaukee has to is going to have to come to a come to a Jesus moment and that they're going to have to realize, look, we're going to have to give up a ton of assets to get our, our, our star guard. It's like we're just going to we're going to have we have no choice but to throw everything at the team that's willing to give up Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard. Those are the two players that come to my mind. So whatever happens, like like prepare to trade Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. You're going to have to give up some depth to get the star, but I think it's worth it because the NBA, after all, is a star-driven league, and you need stars. Brooklyn is proving it. Look, Brooklyn is honestly, they're not a very deep squad. If you think about it. all their talent has come from the top up. So it's this, this what this series is telling me, like stars are what wins games this league, especially in the playoffs. So Bro- Milwaukee has to, like, you're going to have to give up a lot. Yeah, and it looks like they're probably going to give up on Coach Bud too because he's, years, he's done. yeah, years and years of a lot of regular season wins, I guess, but no playoff success. I mean, he's gone to the conference finals a few times with different teams, but there's just nothing to show for it. So he's done. You know, expect another coach in Milwaukee soon. But yeah, just um, just a few more quick hitters here before we wrap things up. So. You guys have you guys have mentioned Damian Lillard, and the last few days for Dame have been kind of weird, right? Because Terry Stotts was was he fired or was he? Uh, did they mutually part ways? They mutually part parted ways. Okay, so he got fired. fired. Yeah, yeah, he, he basically. Is, got... But the wording is always mutually parted ways. That's what I was getting at. Cool. Anyways, so they mutually parted ways, just like the Red Sea. And, you know, they're going one direction, Terry Stotts is going in another. But I've been seeing a lot of conflicting reports from different various news sources. Damian Lillard is apparently not making head coaching demands per The Athletic. However, he is going to be working with the front office to find a replacement. Now, Jason Kidd was considered to be somewhat of a front runner in for that position, but he withdrew his name because he wanted to, he wanted to stay with the Lakers, which is surprising because the Lakers beat his ass in, what, 2002? Yeah, 2002. Yeah. So that's surprising. But yeah, Chauncey Billups, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, Mike D'Antoni, and Juwan Howard could end up in Portland. Meanwhile, Terry Stotts is being considered by the Magic and the Pacers after the Pacers got rid of Nate Bjorgren. And you guys have mentioned, you know, you guys have mentioned Damian Lillard. Well, teams are intensely eyeing Dame and preparing trade offers because, you know, we're talking about how Dame is really this really loyal player, but if the Trailblazers don't get anything done quick, he's gone. Like, they have no choice because they can't put a decent squad around them. They've put talent around them, but it's not, it's not a cohesive group of talent, if you know what I mean. So, you know, just really quickly, thoughts on Dame Lillard and their potential next head coach? Uh, 
I think what the Trailblazers need is going to be someone that's experienced, someone that knows how to work with stars like Damian Lillard and a player like CJ McCollum. Um, that's what they're going to need. So, like, you know, honestly, like a, a you know, a Jason Kidd, a Jawan Howard could be a suitable replacement for Ter- a, guy, a guy like Terry Stotts. But at the end of the day, I think Portland has got to realize that this Dame experiment has gone on too long. And they're going to have to realize themselves that, yes, I, I know Jarrell, but I actually think there's no point of building around Dame when you know you can't get another guy around him and he's only getting older, you're going to have to embrace it like sooner or later. Inevitably, if we keep going this way, we're going to have to rebuild. So I'm going to say it right now, Dame's getting traded this offseason. He's getting traded this offseason. That's a hot take. I just got, I just have a very weird gut feeling that look, Dame is loyal, but at the same time, he's probably, he's, he's getting up there. He's, He's in his 30s now, and eventually he's going to have to get on the move somehow. I, it has to come up on every player's mind, every, like at least once in their career, right? So, like, I just feel like Portland, at least on Portland's end, I think it, they're thinking, like, we're going to, it's it's all going to fall apart inevitably. So, I, I think Portland is going to pull off a big blockbuster trade this offseason, just, just to feel it. Whoever, who is the team that's going to get Dame? Who knows? There's plenty of contenders, but that's my that's what I'm feeling at this moment. He's gone. Wow. All right, G. He's gone. Uh, I totally disagree with Daniel. You you the disrespect you put on Dame time. You're talking <laughs> about the Dame experience experiment. This isn't an experiment. This is your best player to put the jersey on, this Trailblazer jersey on. Arguably your franchise cornerstone player, and you're gonna disrespect and trade him. No, you never do that. You stand by your players. And Portland Trailblazers are a small small market team. They're not going to do that unless Dame wants out. Unless Dame tells them I want to leave. What does this role lead to? Unless unless Dame says I want to leave. That doesn't matter. You're sitting here about to shake up the whole roster and your first thought is to trade Damian Lillard? We talked about this last episode. You have valuable pieces that you can trade. C.J. McCollum. I've, I've said this before, uh, Nurkic, you have you have players that have value to other teams and have contracts that are, are you know, that we can move around. But you don't trade Damian Lillard. You don't – I don't care that he doesn't have a, a, a championship on this squad. Damian Lillard to the Portland Trailblazers is what Stephen Curry is to the Warriors. Would you trade right. Steph Curry? Hell no. no. If I'm a GM, I'm getting fired. Why the f*** trade Damian Lillard if he don't want to go? James Harden wanted to leave. Kyrie Irving wanted to leave. Kevin Durant wanted to leave. LeBron James wanted to leave. Damian Lillard doesn't want to leave. He wants a new coaching staff. Uh, he wants he wants other players that are going to win with him. Damian Lillard is loyal to the soil. If he doesn't want to go, the Trailblazers aren't going to get rid of him. And as you as a GM, you get rid of Damian Lillard without him wanting to leave, you're out of there. Yeah. Said, like, my, said, said my piece on that. Go ahead, Jared. No, it's like, why would you trade? Would you consider him a generational talent? Yes. Yeah, why would you trade that? Like, yes. no matter... No matter what you get, it's never not even a modicum of it is going to match up to Lillard. No matter what, if he, like G said, if he's not asking to get traded, why would you trade him? And and on top of that, whatever you get back with with the supporting cast that you have in CJ McCullum and uh, Nurkic and whatever else players they have, you talk about direction. What the hell are you gonna do with whatever whatever you get back? Let's say that the Portland Trailblazers happen to trade Damian Lillard and they get a Carmelo type deal, right? Where they get a bunch of young players or mid player, mid age players that Picks. can put put up some numbers and picks. What do you do with that squad? 
Now you're getting even in a worse predicament than you were before. Because now we got to go in this whole rebuild mode. Now I got to trade CJ McCollum. Because once Dame's gone, why? If I'm CJ McCollum, why would I want to stay? That's my. But only. with their inability to pick a number two, like what choice Portland may have at the end of the day, it's gonna it, it could really collapse in a, in a short short span of two to three years. Right. You let me just interject here real quickly. You don't pull the trigger unless you have to. Like that that goes to a lot of varying things in life. Like it's not just gun safety. But like if it's if you have Damian Lillard, again, a generational talent, and he doesn't want out, you're gonna do your best to try and keep him there. Because unless he forces your hand, it's up to you to make the team better. Right? So you don't you don't ship him out just because it's like you're getting rid of the coach. No. But go ahead, you sorry. And Portland's issue has mainly been injuries. Injuries has been the issue. Nurkic is not the same Nurkic we saw when he was averaging almost 18 points and 10 boards a game, and he was a difference maker. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have John Collins. There, there was a year when they had Rodney Zach Hood, Collins. and he was – Zach Collins. John Collins. <laughs> Zach Collins. Rodney Hood got me sounding like Kendrick Perkins out here. <laughs> Rodney Hood was putting up numbers, got injured. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's – there's things that you can do. You don't blow up this team yet. It's – they were there a couple of years ago. They were top four seed. They were top three seed. So you don't just blow that up. It's not like they were the Orlando Magic and they were consistently the eighth seed. And then we just blew it up and you have a Vucevic. But Damian Lillard, like we said, is a generational talent. And you don't give him up. Damian Lillard to the Trailblazers is like Kobe to the Lakers. And that moment of time when the Lakers were complete ass, would you have traded Kobe, Daniel? No. Well, so- he would. It was near the he was unlike Dame, Kobe was really nearing the end of his career. So like it was it was a matter of respecting to keep him on. No, no, no. Uh-huh. Like he like like he means like in the situation that they find themselves in, because there was a time when the Lakers are garbage. Like in two thousand I'm talking about after Shaq. After Shaq, yeah. there was a time where Kobe was like, oh, I don't know if I want to be on the Lakers. Like, you know, they they almost traded him to the Chicago Bulls in two thousand seven too. Okay, so, I mean, in that situation, yeah, I would not have traded Kobe because I still had faith I can build a championship contender around Kobe. In this situation, in this situation, I don't know. I don't really have faith that I can really build a championship contender around Dan. Then, it's then just you like, don't need I to have be a GM. Team. You don't need to be a GM, Dan. Yeah, because think about it this way, right? Because the way that the way that the Kobe Lakers situation ended up, right? Like they got the pieces there. They got Powell. They got they got Ron Artest meta and they got all these different pieces to come in. That's just what, and they had a few coaching changes too. They had Rudy T right. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then they had Phil Jackson back. Yeah. And then they got Phil Jackson and then Phil Jackson made everything click along with getting Powell, getting Trevor Ariza or whatever, and having all these players mesh together. That's all. That's all the trailblazers need is one, basically one force to bring everyone together and say, you know what? This is what I need. Health and consistency as well. Mentioned it before. Yeah. Every year they have five five to six players being shifted off and coming back into the team. You can't build chemistry off of that. So maybe it's not just the coaching. It, maybe it's a GM thing too as well, Daniel. So maybe that's where it needs to happen. But you, you, can't, you can't get rid of players like that. CJ, yeah. like that's who was on the trading block, if anything, but not Damian Lillard. Yeah, because CJ is an all-star. He's all-star caliber, but he's not superstar caliber. Right, yeah. Like you can trade Drew Holiday, but you can't trade uh, Bradley Beal. I mean, you can if you're an idiot, but you know, that's beside the point. These players, you get them once every twenty years or so. If 
if the GM, I think it's Neil Oshi, if he decides to ship Dame off, you can guarantee he's not going to find a job again in the NBA because why? The dude wants to say. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but, you know, we're talking about how we should, you know, trade players and stuff. Well, Kemba Walker's time in Boston is limited, apparently, according to uh, according to Bleach Report. And, yeah, just we kind of saw this coming. He did, G brought this up multiple times. He hasn't played like he's worth a hundred plus million dollars. Um, but yeah. Also shout out to Tom Thibodeau for winning coach of the year. It makes sense considering how well the, uh, the Knicks played and we always consider, or we always associate Tom Thibodeau with injuries. And unsurprisingly, there were more injuries in 2020 and 2021 than any season since 2009. This includes, obviously, the lockout-shortened 2011-2012 season, which is surprising because a lot of injuries happened during that year. I remember Ricky Rubio. I was so hyped to see him play, and then he gets his ACL torn after I think he smashes into Kobe's knee. That was so depressing. Jesus. But, yeah, LeBron is switching his number back to number six, so since we're talking about going back to the past... Quick thoughts, really, really, really quick thoughts, maybe like a, a five-second blurb on why or what you think about this. Personally, I think it's just malarkey. Nothing's going to happen. Just not, whatever. Just, cool. I absolutely agree with you. It's, like, it's kind of irrelevant to me, so whatever. I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. It brings some, some memories back to when he uh, was in Miami, but I think we'll see a different LeBron. An older one, too. And lastly, since we do talk about the NBA in all facets, the WNBA has reached the one-third mark, more or less. I mean, they're playing 32 games. A lot of the teams have have reached about 10 games, more or less. And, gee, you're not going to like this news. The Chicago Sky and Candace Parker are 2-7, and seven, and Candace Parker has only played one game because of an ankle injury. Yikes, yikes, yikes. From being a perceived championship contender to just probably looking for the lottery. Gee, that's a deep sigh. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been up to date on the news, so I already kind of cried, you know, hit her DM <laughs> and whatnot, uh, and offered a shoulder to cry on and whatnot, and some ankle massages. But what teams are looking strong is the Las Vegas Aces, uh, Liz Cambage and Aja Wilson. It's crazy. Um and then, you know, I told you, I'm going for the Sparks as well. So they kind of been middle of the pack. So we'll see. It's been an interesting uh, WNBA season for sure. But uh, well wishes to Candace Parkers. We need you back healthy so we can see you out there balling. Yeah. And shout out to the uh, shout out to the New York Liberty for being a middle of the pack team after being a horrendous team last year. I mean, Sabrina is a difference maker, but, you know. Sabrina is the future face of, face of the league. Absolutely. And... You know what? With all that being said, if you uh, something that will also help us reach perhaps the middle of the pack and beyond is if you for, if you don't forget to subscribe to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter, at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram, and at Shooting Bricks Podcast on YouTube for all the news and the video of this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And as always, I'm Jerry Castillo. I'm Daniel Huang, and I'm surviving, and I'm joined by... You're joined by... Don't trade Damian Lillard. Oh, my goodness. But trade 
Chris Saps Porzingis, and we'll probably talk about that on the next episode. So stay tuned. It's your boy, Relly Rail, Jarrell Sales. And we will see all of you guys next week.